0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Rethinking Rehab with Dr. Shane Smith. I'm a licensed physical therapist practicing out of Naples, Florida. Happy to be living in this wonderful place and helping those that live here achieve better, more functional lives. Um, Today's a fun podcast. Uh, I thought about this one for the last week or two and how do I discuss it in the appropriate manner for what it deserves. So today's podcast is going to be rehab versus recovery. What's the difference? Those two terms seem synonymous with one another. I'm recovering from something, I'm rehabbing from something, what's the difference between those two? However, there is a substantial difference and the fact that you may not know the difference between these two terms may be the problem. So let's start with defining these two terms. What is rehabilitation? Well, the most basic definition I could come across of rehabilitation is the act of restoring someone to health or normal life through training, therapy, after an injury or illness. Pretty straightforward, someone goes out, does something they're not normally used to, whether it be something athletic or just something physical, and they've hurt themselves. They've damaged or torn tissues that have resulted in pain and tissue dysfunction. So we need rehabilitation to heal that tissue, to get it to a level that will be allowing it for challenge again. So there's a process of tissue prep and tissue healing that has to occur before you can even do anything corrective for the situation when you're in a rehabilitation standpoint. Another example I'll give you to think about rehab would be the patient that has a knee replacement. They had a joint replaced and you are restoring their health through a process of rehab. Now, when you rehab a joint replacement, you can't just go straight to movement pattern things. You've got to actually do some healing and some modality care before you can really look to actually do functional changing things. The guy who has a knee replacement that wants to go play tennis can't just go work on his forehand and his backhand. He's gotta give a certain time period of healing to occur, a restoring time period of tissue, as well as therapy steps to get you to get back to whatever activity is you wanna do. There's a time frame that it takes to wait, to be patient before you can get back to the activities that you want to do. Contrasting that idea of rehabilitation with recovery. Recovery is a return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. The process of becoming well again after an injury. Now, with recovery, I'm not gonna use the context too much injury-wise with this, even though there is some injuries going on, just not to the substantial level that rehabilitation requires. Um, If I were to go running and strain a muscle, I very well in a short period of time could be back to running. However, if I ruptured my Achilles tendon, there's gonna be a whole lot more rehabilitation required to get back from that injury. So when we're thinking about recovery, you're thinking about normal activities you're doing, that you have some of those like aches and pains from afterwards, or something just doesn't feel great near the end of an activity, but once you stop, you're back to totally normal. It's not enough dysfunction or pain to cause you to stop that task. So that might be a better highlight of defining the difference between rehab and recovery is if I'm recovering from something, I can still get through it. I can still play through it. I just know it's there and it's not comfortable. Whereas if something's been fully damaged, you need to rehabilitate that without actually continuing on with your sport or activity. Um, And the reason I wanted to, to make a differentiation between these two terms early on is I want to talk a lot about recovery and why that term and that concept is not being utilized enough in not only athletic and sports competition activities, but also with everyday people. And I think the everyday people is the group that seems to fall in the biggest rut. Um, when I talk to my golfers that are older individuals, so we're talking you know, 50 year olds, 60 year olds, 70 year olds that like to golf once, twice, three times a week, depending on what their time allows for. Um, and one of the, my favorite questions to ask them is, what other training or in this podcast light, what recovery aspects are you doing after golf play or after tennis play or, you know, whatever the sport may be. And virtually they all look at me, like I'm crazy. Like, what do you mean recovery? I don't do anything to recover. I just do my activity and then I rest afterwards. And that's that. Um, and, and, And that's really a big problem. And, and it's, it sheds light for some people on why all of a sudden injury popped out of nowhere. I think one of the more challenging concepts for people to deal with with something hurting. So we're not talking about a major problem, but something hurting is they don't ne- necessarily know what they're doing to cause it to hurt or what they can do to prevent it from hurting until we get to that point of full damage and we need to actually go to professionals for rehabilitation. At you know to get it to get it better. Um, if we could have caught. The problems when it was a minor issue that could be dealt with while still maintaining activity kind of a recovery phase we could have avoided a lot of headaches hardships and discomfort um, so I wanted to discuss about some of the post-workout recovery options that I think people should consider uh, on a regular basis regardless of your activity level now intensity of activity is a big factor with how much recovery you need Um, if someone goes out for a walk two to three days a week for maybe a mile i'm not going to say you need to do this whole list of 10 to 12 items that i'm going to discuss about recovery options i think that a couple options would be beneficial depending on your body type and each individual body type is going to be to each individual um but some factors are going to be kind of consistent for everybody so whether you're out there training to be a professional athlete whether you just want to be a weekend warrior uh doing tough mudder runs whether you run in your local run clubs uh or if you're a crossfitter i mean it doesn't matter the activity that you like to do an accumulated amount of physical work on a body without proper recovery will fail it's just a matter of how long it takes before the tissues fail uh, and that's kind of the analogy I give with people regarding the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, I, I had someone come up to me just yesterday, uh, a golf pro, and said to me, I don't know what I've done. I'm doing the same workout, the same activity. I'm doing this, wearing the same shoes. Everything's the same I normally do. I haven't changed anything recently. And I woke up with terrible knee pain and I don't know what's going on. And now it hurts to put weight on it and bend it. And, and I don't know what I could have done to cause this. I went through a couple options with her and then I finally kind of told her this could be an accumulation of things that you haven't been doing that could have prevented this. And that's really where I want this podcast recovery topic details to kind of go. So some of the recovery options, post activity, post exercise, the first one's going to be a cool down exercise. So if you're a runner and you're running at, you know, 70, 90% of your max output numbers, You're gonna be physically trying your body at that point. When you cool down, you need to drop that intensity 50% and go for a couple minutes to allow for a proper cooling of muscle tissue as well as a proper shutdown of metabolic processes going on in your tissues. Uh, Another important aspect would be hydration. Now this is one most people do have some knowledge of. I'm outdoors, I'm sweating, I need to drink fluid. The thing that i always have the most problems with is how much water should i be drinking general rule of thumb with hydration for recovery is each pound of weight you lose while exercising which is pretty much all going to be in fluid loss with sweating six 16 to 24 ounces per pound lost. Um, So I would recommend if you are doing an exercise or an activity that allows for you to check your weight uh, easily before or after, that's an easy way to do it. Uh, So if you jump on the scale before you exercise or before you go play golf at home, when you get home that day after doing your activity, whatever it may be, weigh yourself again. What was your weight loss? Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully you didn't gain weight. Um, But whatever your weight loss would have been from the activity that 16 ounces to 24 ounces per pound lost is a general rule of thumb with water consumption for recovery uh, You can also look at The general standard of water consumption without activity being eight eight ounce servings a day Which is 64 fluid ounces in a day. Um, I would tell you to add another 32 to that so go from 64 to uh, you know, up another 32 to 96 ounces would be my recommendation. If you're out in the sun for about 30, 45 minutes doing something that's causing you to sweat a fair amount. Um, Soft tissue massage. This is one that not everyone has the financial means to take advantage of. Um, There are different massage uh, guns that you can get. There are different massage sticks that you can get that are cheaper, uh, and those provide you with a uh, massage-based treatment. There is research that shows massage therapy does improve joint range of motion. It does improve pain and muscle tissue. Um, It can have a metabolic flushing property to it as well, so you can get certain byproducts in metabolics that go on in your muscles during these activities to actually be flushed out physically um, with the massage itself. <clears throat> I do think massage has a valuable place in post-workout recovery. For some, it's just going to be more financially challenging to afford to do than for others. That's why some of those other you know, percussion-based massage guns or massage sticks are a good option to look at. If you have arthritis issues in a specific joint, um, I have two patients right now with severe hip arthritis. One is 74, one is 39. Um, Both have a lot of muscle tightness. So, you know, whenever you've got an arthritic joint, I always recommend flexibility, stretching, soft tissue massage work. Because if you can get some of that soft tissue loosened around an arthritic joint, it's not going to hurt as much. Um, So that's another reason that you would want to look at massage. Uh, Foam rolling and stretching. These kind of get into myofascial, which I think is absolutely essential for recovery. Um, One of the the properties of our fascial connective tissue, um, this is what I kind of refer to as the glue that holds everything together under your skin. So this is a, 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 a dense irregular tissue that kind of connects from muscle fibers muscle strands to one another as well as skin to muscle tissue as well if you've ever pinched your skin or tried to roll your skin and feel like crinklies underneath the skin that's all fascial stuff that's kind of getting released Um, that tissue has a lot of nerves that run through it and if very tight and compressed down can result in almost like a nerve pain in that area. I've seen people that have had that in their calves before going into the feet and it almost mimics like a neuropathy kind of symptom where it feels kind of tingly numb and it's really just due to a lot of soft tissue tightness around nervous tissue in the lower legs. Um, A great way to release that is foam rolling. Uh, Just doing some general stretching is also great because anytime you're stretching muscle, you are stretching fascial tissue. If you have the sensation of tightness in a muscle and you stretch it and it feels so great and feels so good, it feels like what you need. But when you finish the stretch, it still feels tight. There's a good chance you got some myofascial restrictions there. Um, I've found that cupping Uh, Just leaving cupping where it is or if you really want to get some mojo in there do some cupping with movement So you actually move the suction cups after they've gotten a good hold That's really great post recovery because it does help with a lot of circulatory properties Uh, it gets blood flow going to superficial uh, tissues as well as around muscles that have uh, potential issues with them as well as the movement really does a great job using suction effect to Kind of break up some of that fascial connective tissue that can get tight as well or just looking at the foam roller. Uh, that's another cheap option that you know you can easily do yourself. You can look at YouTube videos for various muscle groups. Um, if you are a runner, I would, or a cyclist, I'll throw that in there too. If you spin, or if you ride a bike, and you are not doing foam rolling or stretching to your quads, you are setting yourself up for disaster. Um, it is something I have personally done and can relate directly to. Um, I did a lot of training on my peloton a lot of running uh over a month time period almost three to four times a week with just general stretching active warm-ups and after about three weeks when i was running it felt literally like someone had taken saran wrap and wrapped it over and over and over around my knee and around my lower quad muscle Um, i actually had to have the therapist that worked for me dry needle me with electro and literally after that one treatment my knee completely released and felt great so you know, jumping the list here, dry needling, uh, I find to be a newer, really exciting recovery method. I use a lot of dry needling with electro in rehabilitation after injuries to get healing rates to increase as well, but it does a tremendous job on a lot of different levels and i've got other podcasts on this uh station going into a lot more detail that i don't want to spend too much time on with the dry needling but definitely check some of my other podcasts out regarding uh, dry needling what it's all about Um, i go into a lot of detail on how it works why it helps uh, and there are multi systems that are involved with that that are great for recovery so dry needling is another option um, compression garments, that's a pretty popular one nowadays. The most commonly known compression garment I think out there in the sports world at least is Norma Tech. Um, I've worked in a gym that they used a lot of Norma Tech for compression where they use kind of air pressure that just pushes, moves uh, fluid and other uh, byproducts out of muscle tissue just using air pressure on them. So kind of like foam rolling or soft tissue massage, the compression garments, you know, the big goal with a lot of this recovery is we've got to get your breakdown products out. We've got to get new circulatory properties, new blood flow in there. We've got to make sure your body is hydrated with full of nutrients and that your brain is ready for direction of healing. So cryotherapy is a very popular one Um, some people like to go to cryo spas some people like the uh ice bath i now see that you can get a it looks like a hot tub installed in your backyard that actually will keep the water at about 32 38 degrees i've seen some of these plunge pools is i think what they're referred to as Uh, temp wise and you just immerse your body in that cold ass water uh, for a few minutes and it causes a shock effect which drastically reduces circulation which helps prevent inflammation from occurring so when you get into contrasting there is hot cold hot cold that's kind of what contrasting is and it's, it's, it's a vascular pumping effect. So by putting something cold into an area, it causes constriction, it causes all the vet vessels where all blood and fluids flow to tighten up and limit how much flows to an area. Uh, heat will cause the opposite effect. So typically with someone that's got a tight muscle, you wanna heat it up so it loosens up, good circulation, good blood supply, things move, and metabolics work well. If you have a lot of pain after a knee surgery and that thing is swollen and throbbing, you want to freeze it out with ice, takes the pain level down. It also slows inflammatory processes. And sometimes you do need to slow that down if it's, if it's going too crazy. And that's one of the things that happens with overtraining. So if you are a professional athlete and you are out training, grinding for your profession, five to seven days a week, you really can't give yourself two to three days off after a really tough training session. You need to do something that's going to counter the damage you did, but still allow time for you to go back training the next day. And that's really where I think some of these uh, plunge pools and cryotherapies really come in handy, is that it can cause a quick shock to your system or reduce inflammation, um, and allow for reduced pain rating so you can kind of keep your body movements as normal as you can. Um, I'm sure most people listening out there have had an instance where they overdid it at the gym and they're so damn sore the next day, they can they walk like they just got off a horse or something, you know, just everything doesn't move the way it should because you're just so sore. Well, if you can freeze that out and control the inflammatory process that's going on, you're less likely to feel that terrible the next day and thus be more able to perform at a higher level as well as not have as much damage to tissues from inflammation that will result in further severe injury like a tear. Um, so that's, that's a really good one. Um, sleep and naps, I mean, I can't underscore this one either. This one anyone can do and everyone should do. Um, you know, There's different time periods based on your age group of how many hours of night you should sleep. Uh, For training athletes that are really trying to to maximize what their body can provide them, 8 to 10 hours a night is what you want to look at range-wise. General adults um, that are more just exercising, not really training per se, I'm going to say 6 to 8 hours should be the goal. But you got to have a solid night's sleep. Um, Your brain resets at night if you're not getting deep sleep. your your cognition and your psychological side won't be right and that will cause your body to break down too because you mentally just can't handle some of the challenges you'll be dealing with Um, well we come to refueling Uh, this is another one that is vital to any recovery and that's going to be making sure you're getting the appropriate amount of macronutrients as well as micronutrients when you're talking macros you're talking more your protein your carbs your fats the general um, caloric categories for food um micros not many people like to talk about a lot but are extremely important for a lot of metabolic processes that go on in our body because if you don't have the correct micronutrients then your whole metabolic system doesn't function right Um, it's kind of like if you had to fly from Fort Myers to LaGuardia in New York, and you had a connecting flight in Atlanta, and one of your enzymes to help with this connecting flight is the baggage guy in Atlanta to make sure your bags get on the next flight to New York. Well, if that guy is not present, MIA, we're going to miss something on our way to the next flight. That's kind of what some of these these micronutrients will help you with, is that they actually will act as... And, uh, transporters for other macronutrients or or other things needed for energy production, metabolic processes. So you got to have macros and micros. Um, Macros are talked more about because it directly relates to your weight, um, as well as kind of body composition and your energy, where what your your fuel is, is mainly your macros. Um, Fats, that's a topic that I'm going to leave out of this for right now. There's some conflicting stuff I've seen regarding fat content should have as little as you can and others showing a 20% calorie intake from fat. Zero to 20% of your caloric intake should be in that category. Uh, The two that I think are more important for recovery are going to be your protein intake as well as your carbohydrate intake. Uh, Protein are literally your building blocks for muscle. So if you are doing something activity-wise that you need more strength, endurance, power, or stability control, which I would probably argue is almost every single thing you could be doing that would require a recovery uh, is gonna require muscle of some sort. So just to give you an idea, you should look at 20 to 40 grams of protein for your recovery meal. Um, You can look at this as a half a gram per kilogram body weight or 0.22 grams 0.22 grams per pound of body weight is another conversion so pretty much that number times either your weight in kilograms or 0.22 times the pounds in body weight you have and that will give you an idea of the number of grams of protein you need to be consuming carbohydrates are usually around 1.2 grams per kilogram of carbs you need You want to try to look for carbohydrate sources that have a higher glycemic index because they will sustain you a little longer so like rices and protein and and potatoes things of that nature are usually over a 70 and you can look at a chart for glycemic index which will give you a lot of info on various foods that are carbohydrate rich on what their glycemic index is Um, a couple other things in recovery that wouldn't necessarily fall into the category of post-exercise but very well could be these would be more what i would talk about on a non-heavy training day so when you look at training or working out or exercising or whatever fitness category you want to kind of talk about you're going to have harder days more intense days and you're going to have easier days if you're the golfer, there's gonna be days you play 18. There's gonna be days that you shit talk your partner and say, all right, we're gonna run it back and do 36 today. Those are more intense golf days. Um, tennis, three sets might be your match style, but hell, maybe maybe you wanna go five one day. You know, Maybe that's just the case, or maybe you go three sets and you're playing someone that's very well matched to you. And you know those games and those sets are taking way longer than normal. You're hitting tie breaks left and right and you're out there a long time. Maybe you're the runner that typically is a 5K distance runner and you just feel great one day. It's a little cooler out in the morning. You got good night's sleep the night before and you run a 10K that day. I mean, I can keep going on and on with examples of when you're going to up your intensity load. Um, so days after that, when you when you want to give yourself a break. Um, I would say if you're given your max effort and you feel broken down, like sore physically, give yourself one to two days off before going back to an intense training regimen. That does not mean you can't do anything for two days. You just need to alter what you're doing to make more sense in a recovery sense. So maybe a tough workout day follows with more stretching, yoga, you know, flexibility-based training stuff. Maybe you look at a massage plus doing a Pilates class or doing a yoga class to recover the next day. Maybe just go for a walk. I mean, a walk is a great recovery option because it's a low-intensity aerobic exercise. It's gonna help get a lot of metabolic uh, byproducts out of your system. When I used to play football, when we had film study the day after our football games, after we finished about an hour and a half of film we would then have to go out to the field and just walk slash jog for about 20-25 minutes or so just to kind of get some of those byproducts out of our muscle tissue just to kind of get some some circulation back in there get some normal contractile function to them um another one i would say for recovery after an intense workout maybe two days after when your legs are feeling better but you don't really want to load yourself to a certain extent look at plyometric training, um, neuro training. So neuro training kind of gets into sport specific activities, but either in a slowed down or sped up fashion. So we're trying to change how your brain controls your body or adapts to changes of which it has to go through. Um, these things all play a part in actual performance because if you don't slow down and kind of think about what goes step by step fashion, whether that be an overhead tennis swing, whether that be um, a golf swing, whether that be a, you know throwing a pitch in baseball, whatever the activity is, a bocce ball, that's another one I've talked to about people with, with, with activities, playing bocce a bunch. Um, whatever the activity is, you need to be able to do that at normal speed and you need to be able to control it at a slower pace. Because a slower pace is going to allow your problems to be seen better so if you're a bowler and you tend to over over hip shift laterally in your bowling stance you can't hold that neutral pelvis when you're going down that's going to change your balance shifting away from that stance leg so if we slow that whole s- you know, bowling motion down, you're gonna catch that stuff easier and you're gonna feel it more as the athlete too. And that's an important aspect of slow-mo training is you can feel what's wrong easier than when it's moving quick because we compensate for things quickly. So those are some of the areas that I look at with recovery. It is different than rehab. And it is something that isn't looked at enough by enough people And because they don't think of recovery enough after activities, they always end up breaking down to a point that requires rehabilitation. So try to do some proactive steps, look at some of those topics that I discussed and see if any of those you are not doing that you may be able to, to incorporate in your training to have better outcomes. Um, just think about this. One of the best professional basketball players of all time, LeBron James, spends $1.5 million every year on recovery. Um, I have seen Jimmy Butler electro dry kneeling his knees more than I have ever imagined that a professional basketball player would to recover after playing games. Tom Brady's the GOAT for a reason and part of the reason Tom Brady's the GOAT is because he's at his age still performing the level that he is. If you don't think Tom Brady doesn't know all about all these recovery options and not performing all of this stuff to stay at his level of function, you're dreaming. Okay, that's all I got for today, everybody. I hope this rehab versus recovery, what's the difference, was interesting. I hope some of my recovery options and details of how to keep track and to perform were helpful. And until next time, take it easy, everyone.